You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. The book of Philippians. And before we get into what we're talking about today, it's important to examine what we studied last week because context is everything. Have you ever had someone take what you said completely out of context? It's not very fair, is it? You can stretch the truth or make almost anything take your side when you pull something out of context. And that's what many people do is they, they take the things that are in scriptures and pull them out of context, remove them from their true meaning because every scripture is tied to one another. They have roots tied within one another that are communicating a main truth. What we saw last week of one of the bigger truths that Paul was talking about at the beginning of Philippians 1 was that to walk in Christian maturity is to serve and love the church that Jesus died for. That one of the marks that as you are growing in gospel maturity is that you have affection for the things that Jesus has affection for. And one of the things that Jesus has affection for is his church. That Jesus hasn't called Google. Jesus hasn't called any other uh, organism that he has called, that he has built, that he has founded other than the church, which is his primary way of making disciples. It's his church that he has established. It is his church that he has called to do that. See, the church was something that Paul had served specifically there in Philippi. It wasn't something that was just attended But it was the sacrifice of many giving of their time, of their finances, of their resources because they love Jesus' church. It was then and it is today a sacrifice to serve his church, but it's biblical. And here's what we're seeing though. The case is not, here's why you should serve the church. What Paul is saying is because of the gospel coming into your life, it's changing your desires. It's changing the way you view life that no longer are you now to be a recipient of things, that you are to be a consumer of things, but that because of the gospel, it changes consumers into contributors, takers into givers. You can't help but see the affection Paul has for his church. Like Paul says to the Philippians that they were partners together in the advancement of the gospel. And that word for partner there in the original language is koinonia, which many of you, if you spend any time in church, you know and are well aware of the word koinonia. But that word is often abused and usually applied to settings like campfires on a retreat, which is not necessarily untrue, but that isn't the explicit meaning of koinonia. In fact, what we talked about was koinonia is, according to one theologian, participation. It's fellowship. It's the heart of true fellowship is self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. 
There is no doubt that Paul had self-sacrificing conformity with the shared vision of the Philippians to see more people in Philippi be transformed by the gospel. That was their vision. There is no other vision of the church than to see the gospel declared and people come to meet Jesus. And anything else that would distract from that vision is not from God because that's not the vision God has for the church. And so some people, uh, not, not most of you in here, because the people have asked me, a lot of them have gone, when are you going to stop preaching the gospel? When are we going to get to the meat? Excuse me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the substance, is the meat, is the climax of the scriptures. There's no greater thing we could devote ourselves to talking about than the gospel. The result of God then creating something out of nothing, which is what we've been talking about, led the church to serving one another. And in Paul, seeing their fruit, observing their life, he said, you know what? Looking at the love that you have for one another, your partnership in the gospel, it brought Paul assurance of which he famously said in verse six of chapter one. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us this incredible promise that what God begins, God finishes. God doesn't start on you then just to leave you on your own with his hands tied behind your back, hoping you're gonna somehow pull your life together. That's not good news. That's not the gospel. God is the one, Paul said, who began the work. Paul initiated the work in your life. God is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. So God started the work. God is sustaining the work. And God will bring it to completion when he brings you into glory. And you can have confidence that this work that God is doing in you, Christian, is a good work. It's not a bad work. It's not a lame work. It is a glorious and good work that God is doing in you. So our confidence then is not in what I have done or what we have done, but what Christ has done for us. Paul said, I am sure of this. I am absolutely, unshakably sure of, of this. And because of this, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because we are kept by the power of God. So now we arrive at our verses. So stand for the reading of the word of God. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. We stand in honor of the reading of the word. This is why we do this. Uh, verse nine, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of our God. 
Heavenly Father, our mighty King, as your scriptures are opened, as your church is gathered, this is a holy and glorious moment. And we ask that in this moment and in this time together, that our worship over the scriptures would glorify you. That we would grow in love for you. That even as Paul has written this book of Philippians so that they would grow in maturity and the joy of knowing you. So we would, jo- we would grow in the joy of knowing you this morning. There's joy in knowing you, Jesus. So Lord, would you help me to be faithful to the scriptures, God? Would you speak through me? God, I'm just a sinful man in need of redemption. Lord, would we all decrease this morning and would you increase? Would we be the answer to Paul's prayer? in these verses. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I love watching an expert do their, use their skill. It doesn't matter even what it is. Whether you're walking down on a Lee Drive and you're seeing an artist just paint this on this incredible canvas, or whether it be watching a golfer execute the perfect swing, or a carpenter who is talented at his trade and is creating something amazing. There is something just awesome about watching a professional grow and execute in their area of expertise. I mean, this is, this is so, I mean, whether it be in surfing, and, and man, this week the waves were, were massive this week. In fact, when it gets that big, I do one of two things. I paddle out or I make sandcastles. This week was a sandcastle week, right? Like, I'm like, I, wanna, I choose life. I don't want to die, so I'm just going to watch these guys charge it. And to watch some of these uh, professionals even just drop in on these waves like it's a two-foot wave. Are you kidding me? It's awesome to watch an expert do what they're skilled at. Paul is arguably the most incredible Christian in Christian history. And here in our verses, verses 9 through 11, the curtain is actually being lifted and we are looking into an expert doing what he is good at. One of the strongest, most God-glorifying Christians is letting us look into his prayer. For Paul says in verse 9, and it is my prayer. The curtain is pulled back and we get to hear the Apostle Paul himself say a prayer. It's exciting. What is he going to pray for? What is he going to talk about? What is going to be the, the substance of what he says? Paul was a man who was devoted to prayer. He didn't just tell people to pray. 
Paul didn't just talk about prayer. Paul was a man who prayed. And if you were to look and examine your life, and if I was to look and examine my life and look at my prayer life, I would say I'm not very good at praying. I have more to grow in the area of prayer. I don't think any Christian can be content with how much they pray to God, can they? Not that there's not contentment in Christ, but I mean, to pray enough? How many of us would love to pray more? See, it's good for us to have the desire to pray more because listen, Christian, like Paul, there is no activity that is greater that you can do in your life than for you to get on your knees and enter the throne room of God in prayer. Did you hear me? There is no greater thing or activity you could do in your life than for you to get on your knees and pray. Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, to pray is to grasp heaven in one's arm, to embrace the deity within one's soul, and to feel one's body made a temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know, the very act of praying itself is a blessing to your life. See, as Philippians in this book reveals to us what growth and maturity look like in Christ, looking at Paul's life exploits to us this reality that there is no maturity in Christ if there is no prayer in your life. And if you have been wondering why you've been stunted in your growth and your maturity in Christ, I would ask you and I would ask myself, have we been in prayer and in communication with God Almighty? Because that's all prayer is. Prayer is us talking story with God. There's no greater task you could devote yourself to than praying to God. There is no advancement in Jesus if we neglect prayer. And oh, how I am so convicted even looking at my own life. Living as a Christian atheist. Believing in God, yet in my belief in God, not talking to the God that I, I believe in. Prayer is a blessing, hear me out, because prayer is acknowledging that we are and we will always be completely and totally dependent upon God. Prayer is the acknowledgement that you are and you will always be completely and totally dependent upon God. See, Paul was a man devoted to prayer but I want you to know this, because of the gospel. The result of the gospel transforming his life was the motivation for him to get on his knees and to pray. And the gospel drives you and me to get on our knees and to pray and to talk with God. You don't pray because the pastor told you so, right? You don't pray because you do it out of guilt. 
Paul's motivation in prayer was driven and fueled by the gospel. In fact, it's revealed to us the motivation even when Jesus prayed and the first word when Jesus showed the disciples how to pray. What did he say? Father. That even in that one word reveals the motivation of why we should go before God in prayer. Because God is not just exclusively judge, though he is a God full of wrath, which he is. But if you've entered into a relationship with God, he's father now. And I don't know what your earthly father was like, but your heavenly father is good. And that is the motivation of why we are to pray and to talk with God, that we would be driven to our knees because God is our Father now. See, our motivation to pray to God is driven by love. By God's love for us and our love for God, we can approach his throne boldly. Because we're no longer his children who are in rebellion, but we have entered into relationship with him because we are loved by the, the Father. 1 John 3 1 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And because we are called children of God, Paul then says, or John says, so we are. That the moment God declares that while you were an enemy of him in need of adoption, he adopted you, he declared you in that moment, so you are now a child of God loved by your Father. So that's why Paul prays, but let's begin to look at what he is praying for. Verse 9 again. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Paul's prayer for them is to grow. Did you know that the book of Philippians is the only letter written by Paul that really doesn't have a major rebuke in it. So if there was any mature church, if there was any mature Christians, if there was any a mature people group, man, it was these people in Philippi. These guys, they loved one another. I mean, they loved God. They loved one another. But yet here is Paul saying, you haven't arrived yet. You're not there yet. I'm praying that your love would abound more and more. The love they have for God and they love the love that they have for one another should and must multiply. Do you see how love is a priority that, that right as we are at the beginning of this book, Love is a priority for Paul to talk about. That of all the things he could have chosen to talk about in opening up this letter to a loving church already, he's still talking to them, man, you need more love. You need to love one another more. You need to have affection for Jesus more. You need to love God altogether more. See, love is a priority for Paul, but it's not just in the letter of the Philippians. You don't have to turn there, but to the Corinthian church, he famously wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. You all know it pretty well, probably. The beginning, he says, If I speak in tongues of angels, but have not love, 
I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Pause really quick. I love drums. I'm actually a drummer myself. Drums on their own without music are obnoxious. Amen? They just are. Like, it, it, I mean, I'm a drummer, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I love playing, and, and it's, it's fun. But at the end of the day, man, if you just, my, I drove my mom crazy in high school. Like, absolutely crazy. Like we got uh, a mattress from a garage sale and then another mattress. And before you know, it, I was playing in the garage in this like completely soundproof room, you know, like, cause I was, I'm, and I'm a loud person as it is. And so when I play, I'm, I'm extremely loud as, as well. That's obnoxious. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's not music. It's not beautiful in and of itself. And if I have prophetic powers, verse 2, and understand all mysteries with all knowledge, who doesn't want that? And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body up to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. So when Paul says in verse nine, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, do you see the emphasis and the heart Paul has for them to love one another? Our love for God and our love for one another should be continuously moving up. We should press into loving God more. And if we fail at loving, you guys, we fail at everything. Paul says, if you give up your body to be burned, if you can preach the greatest sermon, if you can understand all prophecy, if you can speak in tongues, if you can do all of these things, if you give up your body to be burned, if you give away everything you have, but you don't have love, you are nothing. We get nothing in return. Do you see that this love that is talked about in the scriptures is not, it's not, e- it's not emotional, aimless love. Because when I talk about love, this, this word love is such a light word today. And we'll say, I, I love my spouse or I love my parents or I love my friends. And then in the next sentence, we'll be like, and I love this cheeseburger that's in front of me. Really? You have the same affection for this cheeseburger as you do for your spouse. Of course not. At least I hope not. See, this love I want you to see in verse 9 is guided. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Love is guided with knowledge and discernment. Their love must be infused with knowledge of God. Their love must be informed by their knowledge of God. 
See, we must grow in the knowledge of God. Paul is praying that they would grow in the knowledge of, of who God is and that if they are to abound in love more and more, that love must be informed and guided and directed by knowledge. So is there evidence in your life that you were growing in the knowledge of God? Have you grown in your understanding of God, even just say the last several months? Like, do you know him better? Do you trust him more? Do you love God more than you did last year at this time? If you are disappointed in your growth and the knowledge of God, Listen, if you are in Jesus, you can be sure of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish it. So if you're growing cold in your love and your relationship with God, you can be sure that if God began something in you, God is going to finish what God began in you. And may this truth cause you to press into God more than you ever have in your entire life. I'm giving you permission to be discontent in where you're at in your love with God. Press in further, lean in harder, love him more. There's no greater love you could devote your life to than love of God and then love after that for God's people. Stir up your love for God by reading and studying God in the scriptures. Because are you bored with God? Are we apathetic in our our relationship with God? I mean, right now, at this very moment, there is a, a, a spacecraft that is getting closer and closer to Pluto. And this, this spacecraft, you know how long it has taken to get to Pluto? Nine years. It's taken nine years. And so as this spacecraft is getting closer and closer to Pluto, which is not a planet anymore, it's a dwarf planet, like whoever decided that, right? Pluto, you're a midget now. You don't count. You're not real. Really? Come on, like... They're discovering that as they're getting closer to Pluto, that behind Pluto, because there there potentially are other planets in our own solar system that we are not even aware of. You know what I love about that? That we don't even know all of the planets potentially that are in our own solar system. And check this out. Our solar system is one solar system to believe by scientists of upwards 100 billion Solar systems. That's pretty big, amen? Amen. Thinking of the vastness of all creation then. How vast is the creator who created all these things and can measure the span of the universe with his hand? God is the biggest understatement of the day. God is big. 
Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. Paul is challenging us in this passage to know God more because there is more to know about God. So don't be complacent towards him. Don't be comfortable with him. There is so much more for you and me to discover and to know about God because of his love. Let us be convinced that we should grow in knowledge. And the way that you grow in knowledge is not by sitting out under the stars and and trying to have some strange supernatural experience of knowing God more. The way we are to grow in the knowledge of God is to be informed by the word of God. That is what Paul is saying here, that we would grow and our love would abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment. So guys, pick up the Bible. And don't just take it from me. Don't just hear it from other pastors or other people or other people who you've heard share about God. Be in the scriptures. Study his nature and his character. Why does he do what he do? How does he redeem people and and learn and grow and be a student of the word of God? So what we are called to carve out time to set your mind on things that are above. You guys, any time in prayer and in the word is not wasted time. This is is not, even right now, in this moment, maybe you're falling asleep, I don't know, I'm trying to stay awake, I'm doing the best I can, or wherever you're at. Listen, this, this is not wasted time. Do you see that? to carve out time in your life, not just on a Sunday. So I want to encourage you guys to be in the word, to to study, for you to grow in knowledge and discernment. If you look at the landscape of our islands and Christianity, there is not much discernment right now. And it's heartbreaking. And listen, you are going to be different because when you are loved by God, growing in the knowledge of him, you can discern when God is actually speaking to you. What God is saying to you in the scriptures. This was Paul's prayer for them. Verse 10. You could, do a, you could literally do a sermon on each of these verses. You could do a three-part sermon on these three verses, but we would never make it through the book. So, verse 10. So, Here's the reason why, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Prayer in love with knowledge is so that we would know what is excellent. What is excellent? We should know According to Paul, if we are to grow in Christian maturity, not just what is good, you guys see, but what is actually excellent. 
Paul wants the Philippians to know what is most important because sadly, maybe it was happening then and it most, most definitely is happening today. People are being tossed by their emotions. They are going around in life, going after and pursuing what is good and missing out on what is great. What, what is awesome. And Paul wants them to pursue what is most excellent. Because here's the truth. Most of us can tell the difference between something that is bad and something that is good, right? We can usually do that. On a good day, we can say, this is actually bad. This is, pro- this is pretty good. But Paul isn't asking us to discern what is bad and what is good. Here, what he is challenging us to grow in maturity of is to determine and to grow in discernment of not what is just good, but what is best. He doesn't want us to settle. It's easy to tell the difference between something that is good and bad, but what about telling the difference between something that is good and great? Do you see that while verse nine was after your heart, verse, the end of verse nine and end of verse 10 is after your mind. See, God doesn't just get your heart. God gets your mind because love unrestrained is reckless and dangerous. Passion unchecked wreaks havoc. And listen, Google cannot do this for you, right? Like your smartphone, which is pretty smart, probably smarter than you, smarter than me. I know mine is. I ask my phone questions all the time. She mocks me. It's weird. It's true. That even in all of these things, the world is not going to tell you what the difference between what's good and what's great because the world and our culture values things that are contrary to the things of God. The, the word and the Holy Spirit are your help. Living in community with other Christians is your help to, dis, to discern not just what is good, what is great. And you guys, being able to do this being able to push aside what is good for the excellence that God would have for you is being compelled by the gospel in love will make your mundane life into a thriving life. But when I say that, those of you who've been here long enough, you, you know me well enough, you know us well enough. We don't mean a happy, successful, beamer, mansion, two mansions, five mansions type of life. I mean, if that's what God's giving you, praise God for that, but that's not what we're saying here. But a life that delights in the joy and knowing God. Listen, the enemy would love to see you fall short of what is excellent. The enemy would love to see you settle for what is good in your life and not for what is great in your life. I can't believe Paul is saying this, but this is in the scriptures. This is true. Oh, that in my life, I would not act on impulse, being ruled by my own emotions, reacting in the moment, settling for good and missing out on what is awesome. Hear me out, Christian. Don't be victimized by your emotions. Your emotions will mislead you and they will misguide you. 
but have your mind renewed so that you may approve what is excellent. Don't just engage your heart in this life. Engage your mind in this life because your mind is a gift from God. That's what Paul said in Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. So that by testing, you may discern. I love that word testing there. By testing, very similar word of what Paul is using here for approve in verse 10. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Real Christian maturity is, because of the grace of God, being able to go after what is most excellent. And so we could get a long list of things, but loving Jesus and glorifying him is most excellent. Being in the word and enjoying the the, the scriptures and memorizing them is most excellent. Being on your knees in prayer, as Paul said, is most excellent. Having a heart for the gospel in his church and serving in the church and making disciples is most excellent. Loving your neighbor is most excellent. And if you have a spouse, that is a gift from God and you should love her or love him. That is most excellent. And if God has given you children, you should love them because that is most excellent. Of course, you can go on from work and other things. And listen, if, if, if we pursue what is good, and I'm speaking to myself here, if we pursue what is great and not just what is good, it means we'll get off social media a little bit more, right? It means we don't have to work overtime another day because, man, we got kids at home waiting for us. Or I don't have to hide if you're single in seclusion in my own loneliness, but I can live this life and sharing it with others because that's what God has called me to do. Pursuing what is most excellent. All of this. I love, I love where Paul's going to go with this. Verse 10, I want you to see. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure. Be pure that, that, your, that your motivations in doing this, that you would be pure and blameless for what? For the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so we like excellence, right? Like, yeah, man, I want to pursue excellence. I want to do excellence. I want want to be excellent. All of this is because he began a good work in you. You can do this because God is actively working in you right now. So Paul is giving you permission to go after it. But what permission is he giving to? What is the main reason why you should be pressing in and going after excellence in your life? For your own glory? No. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Do you see our dependency upon God here, even to pursue what is excellent? He says in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. 
Even as Pastor Toby read earlier, your ability to even bear fruit of your own life is nothing you can take credit for. Your own sanctification, you owe glory to God in your own sanctification. You bearing fruit is because God is keeping you in him and you are keeping in him. It is only because of Jesus Christ can we enter into all that God has for us because apart from him, we can do nothing. But again, for what purpose? Because listen, there are a lot of pastors who will take passages like this and blow them out of proportion, but they miss the purpose. What is the purpose of all of this? Verse 11, to the glory and praise of God. To the glory, God, to, to your glory, God, to your praise, I do and I pursue all that I have. See, Paul's prayer for us, if you were to take it and boil it down in its purest form, is that we would all be about the glory of God. That all that we would do, that all that we would pursue, that all that we would love would be for the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, all of your purposes, all of your motivation, all of your action, all of your affection, all only points back to you. There's no greater thing we could devote our lives to than to loving you and living for your glory. God, maybe some of us this morning have have grown bored with you. We've lost our awe of who you are. It is our prayer, God, that our church's love would abound more and more. And that as we abound more and more, it is fueled by, guided by knowledge and discernment that the more we intellectually understand of your nature and character, that that would drive us to love you more. And then as we are driven to love you more, that we would begin to pursue, again, more knowledge of who you are. So that we would not settle for anything less than you would have for us, but that we would live for your glory, that we would enjoy you And as we're taking this time to pray with with our eyes closed, our heads bowed, listen, if you do not know Jesus, or maybe you've only had intellectual understanding of him, but maybe God through the Holy Spirit has stirred up love for him for the first time this morning. Your soul has been awakened to the things of God. You've been born again. Respond to him in faith. 
Give him your life. Believe on his name. And you are freed from living for your own glory now and you can live for a glory that is greater than your own. for all of us maybe who've grown cold or who need to be in prayer more, God, may these things not become a checklist of things we have to do, but may they be a reality because the gospel is sinking further into our soul. That Jesus Christ, it would be your love that compels us, that your love would be the motivation that drives us to do all that we do. So Jesus, I love this church. I love these people, but God, I know you love them more. But may our people have discernment, God, in all the areas in life. And in this, let no unbeliever do the error in taking these truths that are only for Christians and making it true to be their life, to their life. If you were not a Christian this morning, these things do not apply as far as these things that are most excellent. They don't apply because you're not born again. You don't love God. So come to relationship with him. So Lord, thank you for this time that we've had to be in your word. God, we love you, but may our love for you abound more and more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.